As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Never rush into anything because in most cases you never have to. What one really needs to do is just take their time to find out what all their options are. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. We don't like that fluff. We want to be respectful of your time and get to the best stuff as quickly as possible. How you doing, Bruce Jones? Doing well, thank you. Well, nice to have you on the show. And best ever listeners, we're going to be talking about the number one expense that you have in your business, taxes. And Bruce is the president and CEO of Tax Wealth, which is a tax analysis and solutions research company. For over 23 years, he's served owners of real estate, privately held businesses, and other appreciated assets. He's a contributing editor to real estate and other industry publications. He writes on tax planning issues and talks all about this topic. So we're going to talk to him about reducing our taxes on flips and rentals without doing 1031 exchange and all sorts of other good stuff. So with that being said, Bruce, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to join you. This is my 47th year in financial services. Actually, three years ago, yeah, I'm just old. Actually, three years ago, I retired from the financial planning and securities industries after being in them for 41 years. But knowing the statistics and seeing my own clients soon die after they retire, I was very selfish. I wanted to live longer, so I stayed in business. (laughs) And all I do is my passion, and that's tax planning. And as you said, tax wealth has been around for quite some time now. And our focus is to come in in a support capacity and proactive tax planning to CPAs and attorneys and 
real estate professionals and business professionals and financial advisors of all kinds in helping to solve their clients' tax problems, principally real estate oriented, when they're selling the real estate or a business or some other capital asset. We also do a lot of work in mitigation of income taxes for those who are investors as well as for the self-employed. So I've been around a while. Tax planning is an absolute passion I have. Quite honestly, it's a lot of fun beating up the IRS legally. (laughs) We all live through you in that scenario. We certainly want to be in that position or at least have a team member like you on our side. Let's talk about reducing taxes on flips. How do we do that? Well, with flips, unfortunately, if you're doing any really any more than probably three or more a year, then your flips are considered inventory. They're not considered a capital asset. So you don't have available the long-term capital gains tax treatment. It's all considered ordinary income, just like you're earning it in a business. And that's exactly what a flipping process is, is a business, isn't it? So that's all ordinary income. So there is a different approach in solving the income on flips and it's orchestrating actually qualified plans with some other strategies that we adhere to the qualified plans, meaning the IRAs, the 401ks and such, to where we can largely eliminate a lot of that taxable income from the flips and put everything into a tax deferred environment by law and then allow all the future flips that are being done with those pre-tax dollars. So what the client is then doing is just really building for their future retirement on a tax-deferred environment by law and still doing the flips. Will you give an example of that? I am taking notes, but I want to make sure I understand it, and I'm sure it'd be good to clarify for a couple listeners who need clarification. Well, we, we can't get into too much detail on that because for each individual circumstances, of course, but in general... Let's take an example. I had a client who does quite a bit of flips. He makes over $300,000 a year on his flips. He also works full-time in another vocation. So in his particular case, we set up this planning approach. He contributes the income that he receives from the flips into this approach, eliminates the taxes on the front end, And again, as I said earlier, through the structure, we're able to take those same dollars now in a tax-deferred environment, and he's using them to buy all of the future projects that he's flipping. So all the gain that comes from those future flips then are all in a tax-deferred environment. And he just, as I said, just keeps building for the future that way. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to do 100% of the income that he's generating. He can take whatever portion he wants. We do need for that particular planning approach at least $100,000 of income to really warrant it. But there's a lot of folks that are making a lot of money using the flips, and they certainly qualify for this. Mm -hmm. And contributing the income from the flips to what type of account? It's a combination of qualified retirement plans, such as IRAs and 401ks, self-directed types, cash balance plans, defined benefit pension plans, any of those can be utilized. In fact, any existing plans that they already have before they put this structure into place can actually be brought into the structure and used as well and use those dollars for future flip projects as well. So we're combining really at least two different strategies and combining them to come up with that kind of net effect for the client. 
Okay. And, and that's part of what tax planning is about is sometimes melding different strategies together to come up with a desired impact. And he, in that scenario, would be paying taxes at the end whenever he takes that money out, right? That's correct. Okay. Got it. How about passive rentals? If we are a buy and hold investor long term, we buy something, we forget about it, and we buy another, we forget about it, and by forget, we just don't sell it. What are some tax planning strategies we can employ to lower what we pay? Well, the very first one that should come to mind is a thing called cost segregation. It really amazes me that more people don't know about this because it's been available to property owners with improved properties, apartments, single family rentals, commercial properties, whatever it might be. But it's been available to them since January 1st of 1987. But yet most people have never heard about it. Essentially what this does, the law allows the property owner to segregate out or partition out certain components that are tied to the property and allow them to accelerate the depreciation on those components tied to the property from either the 27 and a half year straight line schedule, if you're talking about apartments or single family rentals, or 39 year straight line schedule if you're talking about commercial properties and allow those components to be accelerated to five, seven, or 15 years. And what that does, it either gives the property owner more tax benefit that can be applied against taxable gain on properties they might be selling, or it gives them an instant increase of cash flow, lump sum, oftentimes, tax-free. Let me give you an example. Gentleman owned an office building, bought it 10 years earlier, 39-year straight line schedule. He paid $10 million for it. He was taking uh, a little over 250000 a year of straight line depreciation, so $2.5 million over that 10-year spread since he bought it. Cost segregation allowed him to accelerate more than $1,368,000 in the first year. Wow. He had a combined tax bracket of 35%. That gave him an instant increase of cash flow of more than $475,000 that he can turn around and buy more real estate with or do whatever he chose to do with it. And it's instant because it's money that he already had in hand that he didn't have to give to the government in the quarterly estimates for that tax year. He simply reallocates it. A lot of folks don't realize or have no idea that they have this type of benefit available to them. So for those who want to expand their portfolios, for example, this is a great way of finding monies they didn't know was available to them to use as down payments to buy more property to expand the portfolios. Hmm. Isn't that only for commercial compared to an investor has a house that's a $100,000 house that doesn't make sense? Well, there's always a balancing point in tax planning as to whether or not something makes sense or it doesn't. In general, if a property owner has, let's say, multiple properties, three, four, five properties, it could very well make a great deal of sense. However, having said that, let's say that they have one property, but the purchase price was 400000 or 500000 They're probably a candidate for it, even if it's a single family rental. The balancing point with this is you have to subtract out land cost at purchase because land is non-depreciable. So you, you take the difference as far as structure and what the depreciable basis is based on, 
and then we do the projections to see if it's worthwhile or not. I'm in a very nice position that I can do all the projections through my sources. I've been working with them for nearly 20 years on cost segregation, and they'll run the numbers for me at no cost to see what the benefits are or what the probable benefits are by doing this and what their cost is to do it and meet the IRS regulations. And then the client then can weigh the benefits versus the cost to see if it's warranted or not. In most cases, it is. When you are looking at tax planning and you're working with your clients, what are some other strategies that you like to employ that they typically aren't already being used by your clients? Well, let's take an example of if they want to sell a property. Most people in the real estate ownership field, about the only choices that they know are available to them is usually a 1031 exchange. 1031 exchange has been around a long time, since the late 70s under the Starker decision. And it's well established. It's effective. It defers the taxes into the uplake property that you're buying of equal to greater value. But the downside to it, or one of the downsides in my view, is that it's very inflexible. In that if a person wanted out of real estate, for example, or they needed to be out, 1031 exchange does not allow them to do that. It forces them to buy more property. I'm doing a lot of work with folks who own commercial properties, for example, who want to sell. They want to solve the tax problem, but park the money. They don't want to buy right now because the market conditions really don't warrant it. It's a great time to sell, but a horrible time to buy right now because of the cap rates being so low. So they'd much rather sell and park the money and wait until the market comes back to a level that is really warranting them to buy more real estate. Can't do that with a 1031 exchange because it's a replacement strategy. It's not an exit strategy. So we're able to accommodate that need and that we can demonstrate to them and their CPAs how to structure the sale in such a way to where we can defer the taxes literally for decades, but have the seller of the asset receive in lump sum cash tax-free an amount that's nearly equivalent to the sale proceeds. So that way we're able to solve the tax problem maximize what they get at close of escrow and they're in a position to where they can wait until the market gets back and then they will find the right property at the right price without the 45-day declaration rule as they have to contend with a 1031 exchange and that of the 180-day close rule. Right now in the market nationally, I've been told by commercial brokers who are very seasoned, experienced folks, I've been told that 50% of the exchanges right now fail in today's market. Well, this planning approach helps solve that issue as well because it can rescue a failed 1031 exchange. Are you referring to a land contract? No. How do you structure it then? Well, in that situation, we're utilizing what is called a dealer in the purchase and resale of capital assets. And in law, we actually reach all the way back 99 years to 1918 when the installment reporting rules came into law, what is typically called an installment sale. Most people identify an installment sale with seller carryback financing, but that's only one way of structuring an installment sale. The very definition of installment sales or installment reporting, it simply says in law, one or more payments made after close of escrow. That's it. It doesn't say how much the contract must be for, how little, it doesn't say how long it must be or how short. It simply says one or more payments made after close of escrow. That's all. 
So at the time that the laws were established, Congress also inserted the term dealer. Dealer is simply an intermediate buyer. They buy the asset to immediately resell it. Very much like that of a car dealership. They buy cars in consignment to sell the cars as quickly as they can and get them off the lot. It's no different than that. So I've been very fortunate that for the last nine plus years now, I've worked with a dealer in the purchase and resale of capital assets who also is the architect of this planning approach when he was an attorney who specialized in solving tax issues for real estate transactions and business transactions, reaching all the way back to 1967. He is a Harvard Law School graduate, been in practice for all those years. He transitioned his consulting business into that of becoming a full-time dealer about 12, 13 years ago. But he created this as a solution for a client that he had as an attorney back in 1995, who actually did a traditional installment sale on the sale of timber property in the Pacific Northwest. So he took seller carry back, was actually very happy with the transaction until he got a call from the buyer in 1995 telling him that they were going to pay him off early. Well, he didn't like that because that meant that all the deferred capital gain was then doing the 95 tax year with all the taxes with it. So he contacted this attorney, our dealer we're working with now, and he reviewed all the agreements and documents and verified that the buyer had every right to prepay if they chose to. And he crafted the very first one of these types of transactions to solve the issue. There are now 22 years. It was a 30-year tax deferral period. There are 22 years in that deferral period right now. And that same program is in effect today for the very same client unhindered and unchallenged by the IRS. So all we're doing, looking at it from sort of a helicopter view, is we're combining two different things in law. We're combining a specific type of a loan called investment business loan together with an installment sale. On the installment sales side, the taxes are deferred for three decades. And instead of receiving sale proceeds, which would be taxable at close of escrow to the seller, they're receiving loan proceeds from the investment business loan, which by law are non-taxable. Hmm. So it's really a pretty simple thing to do. It's just not well known. Hmm. Yeah, that's combining a couple strategies that aren't, well, one of them, would you say it's a installment sale and what's the other one? An investment business loan. Investment business loan. Yeah, I haven't come across that very often in transactions. Well, Probably not in real estate transactions, but actually they're very commonplace. You can go to any bank and arrange a business loan. Okay. That's very commonplace. I'm overthinking it then. I think so, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but all we're doing is taking what laws has said we can do, stretching back to 1918. Actually, it was reinforced by the IRS itself in 1980 because they codified into law the ability to monetize installment contracts without losing tax deferral. And then in 2012, the chief counsel of the IRS issued a memorandum in favor of coupling a monetized loan with an installment sale. Mm. So there's a lot there in substance in support and law for this, but it's not well known. That's all. All right. So the scenario would be that you don't want to pay all of your long-term capital gains when you sell. So you do this installment and investment loan hybrid structure. And that structure is that if I'm the seller, I'm receiving the proceeds from the sale, but it's not the 
actual proceeds from the sale because that would be taxed. It's actually an investment business loan that the buyer has with me and it's paid out over a period of time that's agreed upon? No, almost there, but not quite. What is happening is that, let me give a quick example. Let's say that you're the seller and I'm the buyer. So we find each other, we negotiate price for, let's say, a million one. So we enter escrow. Well, while in escrow, you as the seller invite the dealer to come in between us as an intermediate buyer. That's its function. And you sell that asset in the same escrow that we've established, but you sell it to him on an interest-only installment sale contract, non-amortized for 30 years. That defers the taxes under law because you're not taking constructive receipt of those sale proceeds until that contract is paid off 30 years hence. You are introduced to a third-party private lender who now for the last seven years has been providing these types of loans for these transactions. So what you're receiving at close of escrow are not the sale proceeds. You're receiving those loan proceeds from the investment business loan, and they are non-taxable. And they will be for nearly equivalent to what would have been the sale proceeds. Got it. You said, I invite the dealer as an intermediate buyer. Who's the dealer? He is a gentleman who has a company in the Pacific Northwest who's been doing this full-time for about the last 12, 13 years. But this is the same gentleman I mentioned earlier who was background is that of being a Harvard Law School graduate, oh, okay. admitted to the bar in 1967. And the very first one he did was in 1995 to solve that tax issue for that client. Okay. Interesting. This is next level stuff and I'm grateful that you're walking us through it. So with your experience in tax planning, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Never rush into anything because in most cases you never have to. What one really needs to do is just take their time to find out what all their options are. And there's a lot in tax law that folks do not realizes there to take advantage of and be sure that the ones that they do choose really do fit their needs, really do fit their objectives and their goals. And then once they identify that and they prove that out, that it, it really is a fit, then they can move comfortably forward in implementing whatever the choices are that they've chosen to make. But it's important to take your time. Having a working knowledge of the tax codes is really, really important. And in order to have that, you need to take the time to really see what the various choices in law are. And most people, I think, don't do that. Going back to that previous example, when you're basically deferring the taxes until 30 years, are they paid off a little bit at a time where you're receiving the gains a little bit every year, or you got that to pay a big chunk in 30 years? You pay it in 30 years based upon the prevailing tax rates at that time. However, what you're doing is taking advantage of two things over that 30-year period. The first thing, you're taking advantage of time value of money. Let's take an example. Per $100,000 of taxes deferred over three decades, since you've deferred the taxes, you now have full use of those tax dollars to invest, don't you? Yep. So if you invest those dollars, and let's say you just average a 5% net rate, as an average yield over that 30-year period, you will have over $430,000 to pay the $100,000 of taxes 30 years later. Mm -hmm. So even at a modest, consistent rate of yield, you will have at least, if not substantially more than what you need to pay the taxes, all originating from the tax dollars themselves. That's just pure efficiency and time value of money. 
The other thing that we're taking advantage of with this is actually inflation. Now, inflation is normally viewed as our enemy because as inflation goes up, costs of goods and services go up, which means we pay more to get less. That's true. But in this case, the inverse is true. It actually becomes our friend. And the reason it does is because inflation will deteriorate the value of those tax dollars over that 30-year period in terms of today's value. So inflation over the last 30 years, for example, Joe, has been just shy uh, 3% as an average. So if mm-hmm. we take 3% projected out over the next 30 years, but apply it on those taxes, by the time the taxes are to be paid 30 years from now, in today's dollars, they're only going to be worth 40 cents on the dollar, mm. assuming that 3% rate. So what the seller is doing is using tax dollars to grow, likely make a profit on top of that on the deferred taxes, pay off the taxes in 30 years at a very steep discount mm. in real dollars in terms of today's value. That's an effective tax reduction cost of 60%. Mm. Now, it's important to understand, however, that what we're doing is locking in the taxable amount. We cannot lock in the current tax rates. But if you take the current tax rates we have now, the 20% capital gain, 3.8% net investment tax in real estate, the 25% depreciation recapture, then stayed on top of that. Here in California, that can be as high as 13.3%. So if you combine all those tax rates and then project it out at 3% inflation, they're going to have to go up by more than 250% above what they are today in 30 years to equal what they are today. In California, that would thrust us up over an 80% tax hit. It just isn't going to happen. There hasn't been one CPA or tax attorney I've spoken with on that topic who disagrees with me. Government can't allow that to happen. So it leaves the seller in a very, very good position, doesn't it? They're using tax dollars to grow, to pay the taxes at a very steep discount in 30 years, likely make a profit. And this is over and above all the other monies that they're getting to close of escrow tax-free that they turn around and invest. That only represents a very small portion of the whole that reflects what the tax dollars would have been. Hmm. You know, next time we have a conversation, I'm going to make sure that I have not one but two fish oil pills. That way my brain is working at some level that it needs to be in order to have a conversation with you. This is great stuff. Just practical and also next level, and it's a unique combination. So are you ready? we got to move on to the lightning round. You ready for the lightning round? Go right ahead. All right, first a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott, to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com. Best ever book you've read? Good to Great by Jim Collins. 
that profiles how to approach structuring a very effective and lasting company. Best ever way you like to give back? Actually, we're working on an internship program for college students to give them real business experience. That's one way that we're looking at that. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your company? Well, I would suggest they go to our website at capitalgainstaxplan.com. And the phone number to reach out at is 949-627-8724. Well, thank you, Bruce, for being on the show, talking through tax planning and a scenario where if we are selling and we want to defer the gains and we don't want to do a 1031 because we don't want to buy something right now, then we use a combination of installment sale and investment business loan and i will let the best ever listeners listen to that section where we recap the buyer seller scenario of the 1.1 million dollar transaction and you'll hear the play-by-play for how to do that i have it in my notes but i don't want to recap because i'm probably going to miss one aspect of it and it just won't work so i'm going to re-listen myself but it's from a macro level I understand it. It's just the specifics is what I think would trip me up. And that's why you're involved. So if you'd like to talk to Bruce, then reach out to his company. And any last words you want to mention, Bruce? Yeah, I would. And thank you for that. I would encourage your listeners to create a team. Have a CPA involved. Have your attorney involved. Any other financial advisors that you have available, have them involved but bring in a proactive trained tax planner as well. Don't rely upon the CPAs and accountants of the world to do tax planning. And the reason for that is because they've never been trained in it in most situations. So they're great at accounting, they're great at compliance to the law, but usually they're pretty ill-equipped in how to delve into law proactively to find solutions. So develop a team and let each of your team members do their very best in what they do for you and collaborate together in a synergistic fashion for your best benefit. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Bruce, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com.